Our next presenter is Saloni Mapkasar. She's joining us from Berlin. It's about 11.35 p.m. over there, so I've done, I've done as good as I can um, to uh, schedule Saloni so that it's not too late. Um, Saloni's going to be talking to us about um, researching for uh, design with children. Um, so learning to listen, listening to learn. Um, Saloni is with Ormeo and is based in Berlin, and I'm very happy to welcome you to the stage. Hi, Saloni. Hello. Hi. I'll hand over to you. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. I hope my screen is visible. We are getting used to this sentence more than ever. All good, Annabelle? So we can see you, but not your screen at the moment. Oh, uh, one second. Yeah. Okay. Is it visible now? There we go. Okay, cool. Good morning, everyone. I am really glad you all could make it early in the morning for the conference. It's quite late here. But I would really like to welcome you all for the day one of Design Research Conference 2023. I am very excited for today's lineup and what all is in store for design research community. And this is actually my first talk in a completely different continent. So let's begin. Today, we are going to talk about learning to listen and listening to learn together. And I'm going to take you through my reflections from designing for and with children and I understand it's a little bit of long talk, but don't worry, I've got you covered. We are going to do some kind of interactive activity in the middle as well. So bear with me in this. So um, today we are going to talk about listening. And I have been contemplating about listening since quite a few years now. Uh, listening is an intimate act and an innate soft skill, which is often taken granted in the design profession. I say this because on a professional level, I'm an advocate of user voices, but I often think that I only listen to reply to people than to actually understand them. So in my process of learning to listen and listening to learn, I have taken it as an approach to better learn to listen to people and also unlearn my biases and my initial assumptions about them. So uh, we are going to reflect on my journey of listening specifically for a marginalized segment as children and to understand how can we truly involve them in the process. So you, who am I to say this? Well, you can call me simply Saloni. This is a fun logo which I designed a couple of years ago to kind of reflect my vibe. I am from Mumbai, a big city girl, big fan of the amazing Indian food and colorful pictures and festivals. Um, it's been two years since I've moved to Germany and my life went through like a 360 degree change. I came here for my master's in design research and studied from the design research program from Bauhaus University. And I have been always a person who likes to include the excluded and vouch for experiences to make it more inclusive for people. And 
designing for children wasn't like a decision which i had from the beginning in fact i did not even know about this field altogether but why am i designing for them well because once upon a time i was a child i mean that gives me enough expertise right to design with children well <laughs> jokes apart i i think the picture here is a signifier for me to remember the little kid in me who was very excited and experimental and whiny and carefree at times it was actually taken after one of the healthy baby contest or a pageant where my mom enrolled me and yeah such things exist and even i was surprised but i think this picture kind of makes me remember my inner child and i would like you all to also picture yourself as a baby or as a kid whatever earliest memory you have and it is very important that before we get into designing for children that we are compassionate for the kid in ourselves because if we don't nurture that kid then it is quite difficult to empathize with other children as well so i hope by end of this presentation you kind of try to learn and unlearn your own methods of looking at children as well so as i was speaking earlier uh, i my career trajectory was a pure coincidence i started in i did my bachelor's in a fashion college in india and during the process i realized my strong um, strong overall strength towards designing for children i don't go by one specific title i feel i'm a visual designer researcher and most importantly a storyteller uh i have realized that my strength lie also in being a facilitator and in general a play designer so moving now to the current i currently work for a children's mental health app in germany we also have the app available in english french and german uh the app is basically kind of nurturing children's mental health through story cosmos and audio content and currently we have seen this rise between young baby and toddlers using our app so uh, i constantly read learn about children a lot and i will tell you about this more in the detail at the end of the presentation but it's been great to work for a company which kind of nurtures and values child centered mindset to the core and now i would like to talk about how i got into like this childish niche and when it became my default niche as per to say so in my initial years of even before getting into a design college i did this project designing for a sexual predator behavior toolkit for children and this was the first time i actually did something for them and i have always received this comment from my initial freelance clients that my illustrations kind of look childish rather than getting offended by the statement i decided to make it my strength and this whole project was kind of interviewing a lot of women and a lot of people who have been through sexual harassment or sex have faced sexual predator behavior in their life and i ended up designing this whole toolkit and as you see like this was during this project i kind of find my strength of this childness which i kind of tried to embrace and i made a bunch of illustrations postcards interactive a to z series and it was 
really fun project but i was very emotionally invested in it as well because it was not easy to design for such a delicate topic which could also affect you in a way but this was kind of my starting journey to designing for children and now i would like get into the basics of our talk so i hope like throughout this talk we also practice some listening skills so i would request you all if you haven't done already to switch off your phones or keep it on silent mode so that we try to be more presently aware i know with growing time and every new reel it's impossible for us to pay attention at something for a longer time but we will we can try our best and as i said before i might have some interactive activity in the middle so it would be nice if you can engage and interact with it there will be a qr code which will be visible on the screen after some time in middle of the slides so the last thing which is important when you are listening is to also reflect in a conversation because i couldn't be there in person we will try to still make it happen somehow so i have always been on the other side of the table where i have attended conferences in person and i have found myself like doodling scribbling or just writing the words which i hear and this helps me to be grounded where i am so i can just suggest you that you might also like to do the same or any method which better suits you so let's get right into the main topic of the agenda today we are going to address three important key issues one of which is the need of child centered design next is in what ways can we listen and the third part is how can we integrate playfulness in products so starting with the child need of child centered design i was reading this book called as ideas to postpone the end of the world and there's an indigenous activist called alton krenak and his quote kind of really motivated me to think in direction it says that you keep talking about another world but have you asked the generations of tomorrow if the world you are building is the world they want this is so true for me in a way that we always keep talking about building the future but we are not even going to be here when the future arrives so it's really important for the generations of tomorrow for them for us to include them in the part of discussions or have them a seat at the table this kind of also further links to the idea of how children are our future and a quick google search told me that 97% of households with children until age 15 years have access to internet in specifically to australia honestly these are quite impressive numbers as compared to the countries where i have worked before being germany and india if you can say like such a huge amount of people of the uh, people or users are children then it is also important for us to know if this products and services we are designing for them are catered specifically for their needs while what i think about our current design research discourse even though there has been such a big improvement as compared to past is that it kind of looks like how you will make a kid wear adult clothes is basically we are trying to have this universal one size fits all solution but we need to have more inclusive ways or design processes or find ways to include them and have them a seat at the table so i there are going to be like little bit bunch of quotes in the talk because i am a person who tries to get inspiration from random parts of my life so this is another ted talk which i 
really love and i'm sure a lot of people have here have might have also come across it it's by uh, chimamanda adichie she spoke about the danger of single story what i really like about her talk is that she highlights the fact of how the single story creates stereotypes that the problem is not that they are untrue but they are incomplete they make one story become the only story so i tried to contemplate about this single story through more from a perspective of children or child centered design and i kind of reflected on what is the single narrative which exists for children as users in interaction design context so this is something which i have heard over the years working for different companies in this sector that we always say that we know what is right for the child or involving children is expensive and time consuming or it could be what do children know about a subject matter and also assuming their linear developmental growth which is not the case for many of the users there's no normal developmental growth and every child is unique in a way so there is this need to get outside these stereotypes so that we can have our own stereot we can document our own stories so coming to what is already done in this whole sector is there's a lot of work which is done in psychology pedagogy uh and also science specifically by Jean Piaget or Vygotsky or John Dewey and there's like ample of content which is available online or resources available online which talks about child centered design but why are we talking or addressing this talk in a design research conference so i kind of relate to what nigel cross came up with this term of design really ways of knowing i feel we as a profession or as designers researchers or anyone who's interested in this field have this unique perspective to look at problems and kind of solve them through our own ways of looking at it and it is extremely important in the changing times and how fast children are also growing and how fast they differ from previous generations for us to document and know our own designerly ways of knowing in this context so now i would like to address the fact on in what ways can we listen better because once we understand the need of it it's also further important to know how can we listen to them so there are a lot of things which are available online but briefly during my master thesis what i came across or learned myself is that you can either involve children as consultants that is you look at them as users testers informants in the process or as collaborators where you bring the child together for a project and service and lastly that it is child led approach so it is more like the child takes the driver seat and guides you through the process and they have more control in the decision making i'm not saying like any one of this is good or bad it totally depends on the project you have the budget you have for it and the kind of approach you as a designer want to take so it could be a mix and match of all these approaches or it could be something specific but it is important to know what is existing and what you could make out of it so i would now like to talk about this evolving map of design research which i read few years back or by Liz Sanders and it is kind of helped me to understand my position in design research context and the reason i'm bringing this up now is because she beautifully explains this 
kind of contradictory approach which exists in the design research field. Either a lot of people are design-led or they could be research-led. By research-led, I mean anthropologists or people who come from arts and humanities background who also have their unique perspective and a lot of things to add on, but their approaches might differ a lot. And secondly, either we have this expert mindset or as Hussein just mentioned in his talk previously about this participatory mindset. So she kind of tried to map it on the axis and have the top divided into design-led approach and the bottom as research-led, while on the right side, there is this expert mindset, which I would also explain further in detail, but mostly looking at subjects as users and uh, informants or testers, while this participatory mindset is more of co-creative mindset. So this is overall the kind of map she came up with where there's like this bubble and you can see a lot of like trending terms like user-centered design or critical design and design plus emotion, which is one of the newest bubble in this design research discourse. So it is important for us to understand that where do we stand on this like it is not something which is finalized or it is like kind of sums up the design research field, but it's still like a good point for us to know in which bubble do we belong. And before even I go ahead in the presentation, uh, I think it is important for you to retrospect where you position yourself. So I can just keep this map for a minute and briefly talk about different methods. And I'll also tell you where I position myself. It is mostly somewhere in the middle of this participatory design and user-centered design. Because ever since I moved to Germany and I learned about the Scandinavian methods of including people as co-creators, I realized how much I truly wanted to do that. But it is fine if someone comes from more of a user-centered design mindset because it is what might be needed for their product and not every product is similar. So... Now I would like to do the activity and I would urge you all to scan this QR code or if it does not work in any sense, you can go on slido.com and use this code which is called as DR2023 and there is this one question which I have uploaded on it for us to understand which kind of bubble do we truly belong in. So it's just to get like a overall perspective of everyone in the room. What are we more inclined towards to or give you just a minute to reflect on this? So now I would like to switch back to the map and it would be nice if you can answer that one question and you can see a live word map in the whole um, interactive slide. I'm doing this for the first time, so I, I'm also not sure how it would work, but I hope it works for you. I will switch to uh, the map again. So you can, I already see a lot of responses. A lot of people are saying user-centered design, usability testing, co-design, that's generative design research here. I, I really thought a lot of people don't use that, but it's good to see. And the user-centered design bubble is kind of becoming big. So yeah, it's it's a good exercise for us to kind of reflect once in a while that at my current gig goes, where do I stand? Where do I kind of position myself? Because 
uh, our principles or our ideologies could differ from someone and i don't want to give you my principles and say that you just use it for your product because your own perspective also matters a lot so thank you so much for participating in this and you can still continue putting as much as you want um but now i would like to move ahead in the presentation and talk about this expert mindset and participatory mindset through my projects so the expert mindset is actually designing for people or in my context designing for children and as i had said before already i won't repeat myself again and clear, directly explain you this project i did but i thought i was more of designing for children so my project type tales is my side hustle which i did in college which was more about including the excluded i worked with a special olympics india organization which is basically paralympics for kids with special needs and during the covid times when everything was shutting down it was becoming more and more difficult for children with special needs like autism spectrum disorder down syndrome to adapt to the new changes and get outside their routine so we designed an inclusive learning tool for them and the way we did it was first to understand the entire ecosystem of the child and then we tried to interview everyone who kind of falls into that system be it physiotherapists occupational therapists coaches psychologists caretakers their parents relatives mentors everyone and then we tried to understand how could we better facilitate to their needs so this website is live and it's called platform for kids to adapt to new changes and we tried to promote the idea of socio emotional learning that could be like mindful through stories and have this whole narrative approach to it um right now uh, we have stopped doing this project because a lot of things changed after covid but it's still very close to my heart and i'm really proud of this project and it kind of brought me close to this idea of working with people but during that time now when i retrospect i realized that we did not really work with children we kind of showed it to them the prototypes and worked with them and tried to use them as informants in the process rather than involving them to build something so when you are working from a user uh, expert mindset it's important to look at your users beyond personas and when you are not building something with them you can try to understand them more by trying to collect some artifacts and trying to get to know about their environment and we did that a lot by trying to tell people to send us pictures or show us the objects which they do use every day so this could help you as a designer researcher to read between the lines as well so one of my biggest key insights from this project was that parents and guardians often come as package when you design for kids and they are not the sole decision makers so you have to think about the system and what factors could influence the behavior of the kids as well and it's not just the child because the child is not just making the decisions so this project was quite interesting and you can check out the website later if you want and now i would like to talk about one of my favorite mindset which is participatory mindset that is designing with people so in this mindset we see people as true experts in the domains of experiences of living learning and working and we try to involve them as co-creators in the design process so uh this whole mindset is kind of influenced by scandinavia and during my master thesis i also visited denmark and sweden 
Denmark really feels like a place too good to be true because it kind of promotes playful learning to such an extent. But I had the fortune to interview Casper Mathieson, who is co-founder of T4CR, Designing for Children Rights. And this kind of quote, which he said during our interview, still holds a special place for me. He said that designing for children is actually designing for humans. I don't distinguish between children and grown-ups. For me, grown-ups are children that are broken. It's kind of this bold statement for me to understand that how we can like look at children as benchmarks for creating experiences, which are also better for adults. So I would now like to move the focus to more of this participatory approach. But before we get into it, I would like to talk about play because play was an integral part of the project I worked on. So play could mean like different things for different people. For me, it is something which is more of colors, something like Disneyland, or it could be of games. And it is more of an interactive, fun vibe to it. But not necessarily play should always be just linked to something of that sort, right? Play is actually a pleasure activity taken for no apparent reason. And the ability to play is critical not only to be happy, but also to sustaining social relationships and being a creative, innovative person. So Stuart Brown had mentioned this. Overall, you're looking at play more than like fun activity and in including the importance of it in our daily lives. And if we look back at in our childhood, we have always been associated with play in some or the other way. When we observed our siblings or friends playing as a spectator play or an imaginative play when we played with our toys, or it could be the rough and tumble play which you see more in nature between animals, and it could be also social play where we actually play with other people and involve our community. So I used play as a method of inquiry in my research process, and I conducted a six months research with uh, children in Berlin. And it was an interesting project because I was very scared as an Indian working in Germany with children from refugee and immigrant backgrounds. But one of my professors said something interesting, which kind of hold me made me hold my positionality very unique. He said that I, from a different culture, interviewing children from different cultures in third different culture should be the speciality. And I shouldn't doubt myself in this. So I went ahead and I conducted my master thesis with this quick key question of in what ways can co-design intervention aid listening actively and empower children through play? So the whole kind of research was as a practice-based research, I would like to say, because I wanted to also use my skills as a visual communication designer in this. And I was sometimes practitioner, researcher, also facilitator. I conducted few pilot workshops with my friends as well in Berlin to first go through the rehearsal because directly working with children was quite difficult for me. And in this process, I learned from experts a lot. I interviewed people in Denmark and Sweden and also in Berlin and also can like attended few workshops in Berlin and Dortmund, which was with Save the Children. So these kind of methods exposed me to what I could learn from other people, this practitioner's tacit knowledge, as I would say. And the overall approach for me was like figuring. So when you are drawing as this image you could see on your top left, 
when you're drawing you just go with the intuition and how better it could be and you treat as the whole thing as a open playground and i conducted my research with just like an abstract research question and then diving into it so this project kind of helped me to understand how can i involve children in the design research process so i conducted these making future ideas tangible workshops with immigrant and refugee children and it was quite interesting because be like the children came from different backgrounds the multicultural children even though they belong to different countries because they grew up in germany they did not speak english and being a person from india who feels so confident in english it was it came as a surprise for me and i knew like basic german but i still tried to understand them and understood the importance of non verbal communication and the image on the left hand side which you see is with children in refugee accommodation they were from moldova so in that it was more difficult because they spoke in russian and overall i felt it could be impossible to communicate with them but i remember when i first went into the class i played this german rhyme which i was trying to learn to improve my german and realize the level of proficiency i have in german and they have in german was similar and we all just started dancing as an ice breaking activity so it was very important for me to build that comfort zone and for them to look at me at an eye level because if they don't have that comfort zone with me they would always look at me as a teacher or their parent so i had to break that wall and i also involved people who speak like volunteers who speak russian to help me in this so that they acted as a trojan horses to help me understand what they were saying and i created a lot of i generated a lot of material and i also gave them freedom to choose to tell their story through building things with clay or with something whatever they feel comfortable with there were legos there were sketch pens there were images so it's kind of like finding a middle ground between it and for this uh, i generated like the whole material was generated by me so this is where my practitioners expertise came into place and the most difficult part of this project was surprisingly the recruitment because recruiting users for workshops from a website could be easier but as a immigrant in a completely new country it was very difficult for me to find contacts and with children it is very important to get consent from the parents and get started with everything so i remember just putting a lot of posters in berlin visiting refugee accommodations and in one of the accommodation i visited uh, the person made me directly talk to the children and i remember getting rejected by 13 children because they did not find my workshop fun enough to come so that time i understood that i cannot use the words like co designing for future i had to like come to the basic point like how could you explain it to a 5 year old so that you can convey the message and also understand what would be the incentive for them to come to your research or be part of your research because coming from a background where i wanted to work in a very controlled environment this project was something which was out of my comfort zone but i try to make it fun by having these kind of activities by asking them when was the last time you felt connected with anything and they had to like draw a picture out of it and then talk in the class to explain it to everyone what that means so this whole mode of giving them this creative freedom was very important for me and having it in both the languages which they are comfortable with was also important but at the same time 
for example with kids with uh, moldova they could not read but they could understand spoken russian so a lot of things you discover on the way and it is impossible to predict all of these things before the workshop so it always helps to do something as a pilot workshop but also making space for surprises so coming to that point as i said uh, it is important to be it is important to not be outcome driven you have to keep room for surprises immerse yourself in their environment and create a comfortable space for them nurturing the relation over the course of time so it is not something which you can because children are so honest you that is not something which you can build immediately you need to give it time and if a project allows you to do so it is also important that you build the uh, overall relation and gradually progress now the third and the most important part is how can we integrate playfulness in products so we understood the need of child centered design and in what ways can we cater to people so let's talk about some practicality and how we can do it in products and services so there are some of the big companies which i'm fan of like tokaboka games lego group from denmark pilund save the children ngo system workshop in us and zagomini they are doing really incredible work in this field and they are in very different kind of products as well but it is kind of inspirational because they also keep launching their research uh, reports and it is good if you are someone who is interested in this field to keep an eye for everything which other people from different continents and countries are doing uh and one of such organization is designing for children rights uh it was initially started by the nordics but also like other people from germany and it is mostly nordic influenced but t4cr designing for children rights is a very interesting website which has different chapters all over the world and they came up with this manifesto which is like a evolving guide to have these principles that tell you about how can you involve children or like consider children rights in more ethical way in your product and service so if you go on their website you can see it's called children uh, childrensdesignguide.org so you can see that how they have come up with these 10 principles from three different um, spaces one of which is designing for inclusion designing for play and learning and design for safety and sustainability for example the first principle is gather and respect children's views which includes the right to participate and right to be heard so when you click on each principle you'll be able to know more about like they have framed the whole thing from a child's perspective and i would try to explain few of these principles how we used in my current company when i'm working now so moving to omio again uh omio as i said before is a family focused story cosmos for mindful and sleep relaxation and being a completely audio first product it is very playful in nature but at the same time we had to understand that we need to set some rules so we got inspired by the like loosely inspired by the t4cr principles and then try to make three of our own principles be on basis of that the first one was every child is unique so there's this right of non discrimination and for us it stands that every child is different and unique and have their own experiences 
so we wanted to make it more diverse inclusive and non stigmatization so we have this one category where you can build your avatars and we have made sure that every avatar which you build with does not look similar you can kind of mix and match different kind of outfits and a lot of this visually reflects into the kind of skin skin colors the kind of accessories the kind of things you try to show because we are not kind of trying to promote any normal here and it is kind of you know overall reflecting the reality of the world so this is one of the way which we are kind of doing it in our app the second is there is no normal this is of audio first app so it is we have tried to make it accessible for children with vision impairment or dyslexia it was actually started for children with adhd but it slowly kind of grew into a sleep and relaxation app so overall there's this idea where we also want to promote that we want to gather and respect children's views we conduct at least two or three user calls with families every week and we try to make sure that we don't take a lot of data from the families because a child's information is very private and if they want to they then only they should share so all of these things like not using their real names and making the whole research anonymous is something which is very important for us as well uh and the third one is everyone can play so allowing and supporting exploration so we plan to do a lot of co-creative workshops and right now since our kind of target is changing from to baby toddler parents and as i said before that parents are something which come as like packages with children so we cannot just call children and no one would send their kids just to our company so we kind of try to also want to involve parents with their children in these workshops but even when omio was initially built we did a lot of co-creative workshops and we try to understand the routines of the children in more interesting and creative manner so we have this thing called a child consultancy where we try to uh, consult children in the app development and try to include them as users and creators and lastly the right to leisure and play so children and adults are alike so we try to not just say that it's playful because it's for children but our user group or the target group is actually parents so we kind of try to treat play as not something which is just for fun and it could also be for adults so the final takeaways for the whole thing which i have been talking about for so long is that first it is very important to establish space for children so as i said comfort is a gateway to child's heart creating a safe space to listen to their needs and then making it without making it outcome driven is very important second is to look at them at eye level wherever possible you have to try to keep your expert hat aside you have to be open for surprises and not try to guide the research in the way you want but kind of let them also understand that you are not coming from a very expert perspective lastly um, it is also important to understand that it is not just the child who is the sole decision maker but everyone around the ecosystem of the child it could be their caretaker teachers it could be anyone who you your product is working with and uh, the fourth point is to foster meaningful child participation so one of the important things and this was a, such a fun revelation for me was that you have to understand how can you incentivize children's participation beyond money and purely by purely 
by not just making it very outcome oriented but actually having fun so one of the important things which i did in my workshops with uh, the refugee and immigrant children was to have snacks or breaks and it was amazing how influenced they got or how in how much joy they had on their face when they saw some cookies and stuff kept on the table so that these were like the little things which can make your workshop or whatever project you have more fun and interesting so you need to understand and try to find a middle ground in something you want and something other people would like so coming to the potential of the world child centered design i think we need to move away from the single narrative of childhood there is no global childhood which exists we need to as responsible designers and researchers come up with more localized experiences of childhood as a person who experiences childhood in india versus someone who is in australia or in europe our childhood could look very different and it's important for us to document learn and listen to these stories so we can come up with more cross cultural perspectives because they are so important and lastly thank you so much for listening and learning with me and i hope overall it helps you to kind of uh, foster this whole knowledge in your field and your own zone but thank you and that's that's it from me you can reach out to me if you want to know more about omio or if you have any more questions and um, yeah keep listening learning and growing Thank you very much. Um, let me just quickly see whether we have questions that have been sent through. Um, hold on. Questions for Saloni. I don't see any there. Does anyone like in, in the audience have a question that you want to ask? Otherwise, I'll fire away. Yes, hang on. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Use the mic so that we can hear it. Children, obviously, like there's a pretty broad spectrum. I don't know if anyone's ever been involved as a child at like 16, 17 in research. I'm interested to understand how you can be flexible in your approaches to make it inclusive for all ages. Um, you mean inclusive also for adults or anyone young adults young adults uh yeah that's it's not just like making it inclusive for 0 to 5 year old or 5 to 10 year old but it's important to understand the diverse needs and backgrounds they come from and it could be like physical mental needs and it could be also something related to age group but it is important to find a middle ground in all of these approaches and as i said through my playful inquiry i did not mean to make it just for children but how can you make even asking questions or involving people in a collaborative workshop more interesting and for that you need to come up with ways or think of ways which are more creative and playful so uh, yeah and at the same time also inclusive where you are respecting their different needs that's great thank you 
Um, I'm, I'm curious um, to pick up on that. Uh, you, you were talking about the language barriers in one of those activities or one of those case studies that you were talking about. Um, you were able to get around it, but were you... Um, what, what role can uh, interpreters or translators play in those sorts of settings? And do we, we lose anything along the way um, by doing so? Uh, yeah, that's a great question because when I was working in this context, I felt so lost and I thought that I'm not adding any significance to this whole research field. So I tried to involve people who actually speak that language who are kind of closely related to them and as i said like they acted as these trojan horses for uh, me to guide through one of the thing which i did was to come up with like a physical toolkit which i tried to give to the kids and also the volunteers who were part of this who spoke their language and i had these reflections or learning takeaways for them so they tried to write after every activity what they understood from it so that we are kind of trying to document these kind of things which might get lost in translation sometimes but it's important to understand your positionality that sometimes you cannot just understand beyond your capacity so at that time you need to ask for help and include people who would be more right in that current setting that's great thank you um, i'm conscious that it's after midnight and getting late for you so please join me in thanking Salonik for, for that presentation <laughs>